Hey everybody, this week we got to talk to Steve Maxwell. Steve Maxwell is a world-renowned personal trainer, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He's been on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, I believe, three times. And uh, he's just an overall really fascinating guy. He used to live out of a camper van and then decided to just go even more minimalistic and live out of a bag. And he would travel across the world, training people, teaching people in group settings, one-on-ones, and just spreading the word of fitness and health. He takes a really nice approach to fitness. He goes more of a holistic style and he focuses on all the small parts that we kind of ignore, like the foot health, uh, vision, and he talks a lot about mental science, about the mind and muscle connection and how our thoughts can manifest our reality. It was a really interesting discussion. Sammy and I, uh, we had a little laugh afterwards because I would say 95% of the conversation was Steve talking and us listening, but I guess that's what it is when a master speaks. You just you really uh, take notes and listen to what he has to say. So this, this episode is a little bit more information dense, but I highly recommend you check it out. See what he has to say. Uh, maybe you won't agree with everything, but let it challenge you a little bit. It, it certainly challenged our beliefs in certain certain fitness myths that he kind of debunked. The guy's uh, 67 years old. He's seen it all. He's been through all the waves of trends. And clearly he knows what he's talking about because he looks fantastic. He's in great shape and he trains for longevity. So it's all about joint health, mental health, physical health. And yeah, so without further ado, enjoy. What's up, beautiful people? I'm Nathaniel Pearl. And I'm Sam Sheva. And welcome to Curious Chimps Podcast, a show where we explore the infinite complexities of the human experience. We do not endorse anything illegal. So please, consult the doctors, do your research, and for the love of all that is holy, be safe. All right, let's talk about drugs. Curious, curious, curious chimps. It was only after I got married and opened up the first Brazilian jiu-jitsu school in the eastern United States. It was actually maybe outside of the Gracie Academy, one of the very first schools in the U.S. Oh, wow. I can't say, I can't say it was the first. Uh, obviously, the Gracie Academy was the first, but uh, certainly on the East Coast it was. Nice. It was before Enzo Gracie or you know Marcelo Garcia or John Donahue or any of those dudes. There was me wow. in Philly at, at Max's house. And that's when I pretty much started getting into a, an accumulation kind of mindset. I got married and had a big house and, you know, the gym. And that, that was the only time in my life where I really started getting into that accumulated mindset. But it certainly didn't make me happy. It certainly wasn't something that made you feel secure or good. It's it's a burden owning a lot of stuff. It really truly is, so, and it becomes like uh, I don't know. It, it, it's like a sickness. You just want more, you know. Yeah. And uh, when I got divorced and got rid of the school and sold the gym and moved in the camper van, that was like a real breath of fresh air. I wow. felt like a huge weight got lifted off me. Wow. And then from the camper van, I went to one bag, became a one bag traveling nomad, pretty much all over the world. Wow. But I had been warned about this epidemic almost a year. And really? I used an astrologer. I took a lot of shit in the Joe Rogan show about that. Astrologer. I wanted to talk to you a lot about that but, because uh, it was yeah, fascinating. Yeah, no, this guy's good, man. Yeah. And uh, Robert Koch told me, get off the road. There was going to be a real big thing going on in 2020. He kept using the word Marshall. 
you know, like martial law. And I'm thinking, what could possibly be going this on? This is the guy from Hawaii, and, right? And uh, he said, uh, wait, my girlfriend's writing me a note. <laughs> Very respectful. Oh, okay. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, he had warned me to get off the road. That there was going to be uh, uh, some kind of big thing going on. He didn't get real specific. So we decided to come to this little town where Teresa's mother lives in Port Townsend, Washington. It's on the Olympic Peninsula. It's fairly, it's pretty, it's very rural and isolated somewhat. And she lives in this big five-acre property out, you know, uh, surrounded by a lot of wilderness and such. Nice. So we, we bought a tiny house and had it set up here on this property, this five-acre property. And I've been living in the tiny house since uh, last October. So I spent the winter here and so forth. And uh, sure enough, uh, around January, then, you know, you started hearing about all this stuff about this coronavirus. And then things steadily got more and more crazy. So he warned you about this a year ago. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I've been living in a tiny house and doing online workouts using Zoom and of course, I, I I always had a, a maintained an online clientele even when I was traveling. Nice. I online personal training, uh, diet program, fat loss programs, and so forth. Nice. And that's how I made the majority of my living: the online uh, personal training. And then, of course, you know, on my website, I sell uh, instructional videos and such. And then uh, the seminars that I would do as I was traveling, and the workshops were basically, you know, just to pay my expenses because I was living out at hotels and Airbnbs and obviously mm. flights and that can be expensive. Yeah, so, for sure. You know, the, the, the seminars paid for that. Okay. And then the online personal training and all that uh, and the video sales were basically gravy, you know, like icing on the cake. Nice. But, but now that's, that's the way I'm making my living, so... Because I don't have all those huge expenses. I mean, flying's expensive. You know, uh, I don't have rent here because I bought this tiny house. You know, cash, so I own it outright. Nice. So basically, I don't. I don't. I'm not paying rent right now. So it's pretty sweet. It's uh, a good I, setup. I, I landed on my feet in a really good situation in a very isolated area. I think there was only 30 cases in this entire area. Oh wow. Uh, Jefferson County. Okay. Yeah, we're getting yeah, it pretty so, bad in Montreal. Yeah, we didn't get slammed at all here. Nice. 30 cases, I think, uh, one recorded death. So. Oh, wow. Damn. It was good. Are you getting a lot of, like, uh, immunity questions from your clients? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm no authority. I'm not a doctor or anything, but uh, I, I can certainly see what's going on. And, you know, I, I kind of tend to agree with the conspiracy theorists. You know, I, I just think this that whole thing's overblown. Just trace the money. Anyone that doesn't believe me, mm. follow the money and you're going to see who's benefiting and who's, and right now it looks like big pharma. Yeah. You yeah. Know, my friend uh, always they, says cui bono over and over. He says the term cui bono. It's like who benefits. Yeah. Who beautiful. is benefiting, man? You know what blows and my you mind? You don't have to be a genius to figure this out. You don't have to be a doctor or an epidemiologist yeah. or any of that shit. All you have to do is just look 
And, you know, right now they're saying what, like just a little under 100,000 deaths in the U.S.? Yeah. I mean, that's like a pinhead as far as the population. Hmm. I mean, that's not even one per. That's not even one percent. No, it's it's under it's the like, zero. I don't. It's way under it's the like, zero. You know, and who's dying? Really unhealthy people. People that were unhealthy to begin with. That's not. That's not to be disrespectful, or anything. But people that don't take care of their health, hmm. eat shitty fast food or obese, you know, all these things are preventable, these type of degenerations, and people suffering from this are very vulnerable to any disease, not just yeah. this virus. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I, like I said, I traveled the world, so I got a, I got a chance to look at the big picture. And, wow. uh, you know, America is like one of the fattest, most unfit nations on Earth. It doesn't surprise me that people would be really susceptible to getting sick. Hmm. We also know that your digestive system is responsible for your immunity. Look at the way people eat. Yeah. Look at their big fat guts and you know so forth. Some people might say, oh, Steve, you're fat shaming. Well, maybe people need to be a little ashamed of themselves, you know? Shame works. <laughs> I agree. A lot, a lot of these topics can be touchy because it gets really emotional, for sure. Well, it does. It does. People feel like, oh, you know, uh, the medical community would have you believe that it's just all accidental, that it's not your fault. There's nothing you could do. There's a bug out there, and the bug is going to get you. See, I never believed any of that. It was all based on that, you know, the whole medical model was based on the past year theories. If you read about the the history of immunizations and, and Louis Pasteur, you can see he was a big con artist. The whole thing was was uh, just a scam from the beginning. All you have to do is just trace the history and read about it. There have been people that have spoken out against it, but they always get shouted down by the very powerful uh, you know, medical drug industrial complex. You know, like people that are against vaccines, for example, they try to make them look like kooks in the media. There's some very intelligent people that are against these type of uh, vaccinations and so forth. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. not going to get that fucking vaccine. Yeah. You better believe it, man. I'll do everything in my power. Uh, go get, listen to uh, uncomfortable for me too. Yeah, to, to think yeah. Of listen to this guy, Doctor Wong, if you want more information. Doctor Wong. Okay. Yeah. 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 Very uh, interesting uh, character. Yeah. But, you know, anyone that goes against orthodox medic medicine is immediately labeled a kook or, uh, you know, they, they, they try to make out like you're a fraud or yeah. you're, you're, you know, you're whatever. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people out there like me that do not trust the medical industrial uh, drug complex. And I've been very healthy last 35 years, I haven't had more than a cold in 35 years. Wow. And I'll tell you why. I just take care of myself. Yeah. I keep my weight down. I keep lean. Uh, I eat really good. Uh, I don't eat crap. Uh, I, I base my diet of fruits and vegetables, you know, good, good produce. Anywhere in the world you can get this stuff. Lean meats. You know, I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan or anything. I don't think there's any real health benefits to vegetarianism or veganism. Yeah. However, I do admit that the quality of meat in a lot of countries like the U.S. is pretty crappy. So, you know, you want to get good quality of meat. 
I'll eat venison and bison and, and, and stuff like that. Nice. And uh, I keep my starches and my carbohydrates uh, fairly minimal. Uh, yeah. You know, I will have some whole grain stuff. Like I had a big bowl of quinoa the other night, which is actually a seed. Mm. But I just Starchy. eat good. Nice. Yeah, I'm very careful the way I mix my food, and I keep my digestion strong, and that in turn keeps my my uh, my immunity very high. And literally, I was traveling country to country in airports, uh, on airplanes, which are filthy. Yeah. If anyone was exposed to viruses and bacteria and so forth, it would have been me and my girlfriend, yet we were never sick. Only when I would get tired and exhausted from you know lack of sleep and travel, I might start to manifest cold symptoms. In that case, I'm a big advocate of fasting. Your body fasting. is able to direct its healing energy when you're not burdened with all that food in your gut. Yeah. Digestion takes a lot of energy. So when you stop eating, all that energy that goes normally to dig digestion and assimilation and all that can be now directed towards your immune system and helping your body fight stuff off. So off. true. So, you know, that's how I've dealt with uh, you know, health. So after so flying, you would years. fast? And, and it's work. Uh, only if I was starting to manifest cold symptoms. Okay. You know, I nip it in the bud. Usually if you start getting a cough or a runny nose or whatever, uh, you know, start getting congestion, that's a sign that, you know, you're, you're exhausted and you're tired and your immune system is faltering. You know, because the cold germs get like a little foothold. Mm. And you can nip that in the bud if you immediately just stop eating. It's so smart, it, that it, approach. It, it, it's simple, but it's not easy because yeah. most people are very fearful about not eating. They freak out. Yeah, I would say the average American has never actually experienced true biologic hunger ever in their whole life. So the first little tummy rumbling, they just want to you know, stuff their pie hole. Yeah. But that's, that's the digestive process when you have that rumbling. It's not actual hunger. It's just that's the uh, system working. It, yeah, it's habit, it's habit hunger, you know. Yeah, your tummy right. rumbles the same time every day. All that is is just little digestive juices, you know, some little acid in your stomach. And you freak Drink out and you need to stuff it. Drink a big glass of cold water and yeah. you're, you'll be fine, you know. Yeah. And that, that type of discomfort isn't even true hunger. Yeah. It really isn't. To really experience true hunger, you got to fast for, let's say, 48 hours. Then you'll know, you'll know what true biologic hunger is. Last year, I, in the summer, I fasted. I did a seven-day fast, just, just water. And it was very interesting to see how the body adapts and functions and what your energy is being used for. And I noticed by like day four, day five, I actually had a shit ton of energy. It was really odd. You know, it's just my body was just learning and using the energy so strategic because it was it was searching for food. So I needed to be hyper focused in the mornings. And then at night I started getting tired. But there was like a good two, three hour windows where I just had like this intense focus energy. You know, you can almost become euphoric also. Yeah. If you noticed yeah. your mood elevates, you start to burn those ketone bodies and your body and its wisdom doesn't go to healthy tissue. It doesn't eat your muscles up or yeah. your internal organs. That would be the very last step during last stages of starvation. Yeah. What your body does burn up is morbid tissues, disease tissue, any sick tissues. It burns that up first. Then and only then 
well and start to scavenge other parts of the body for proteins. Wow. There's some theories, you know, uh, that uh, uh, the body will scavenge like cancer cells and things like that. Oh, really? Wow. So, but once again, I'm not an expert. So, you know, your listeners out there just realize I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a guy that has been very interested in health and health practices his entire life since he was about 12 years old. Nice. I'm 67 now, and I I feel I feel really good. Uh, Other you, than just in, injuries I got through wrestling and doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and other, other rough boy sports. Other than those injuries, uh, I uh, I've really walked through this life pretty pretty unscathed. Nice. Mm. Health wise, you know, some people say, "Oh, it's just genetics." Yeah, I don't think so. My family tree is just loaded with uh, very sick uh, people, hmm. overweight, sick people. So yeah. I wanted it's to uh, simplification, right? Like yeah, yeah I mean, just says genetics. oh, genetic. Well, see yeah. that that's that's the fat, uh, weak person's excuse. <laughs> There's the, like maybe that, some truth pe- to it, right? People, people that don't want to take responsibility. Yeah, there is some truth. Some people are born with the deck stacked in their favor. There's no doubt about it. 100%. You know, I have seen some real genetic wonders, especially when it comes uh, to strength training, bodybuilding. Some people just got all the genes, man. Yeah. I mean, they can just walk in the weight room and breathe the air and start getting bigger. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> it's usually guys like that who are, who become like the gurus in strength training. So everyone will follow the genetic superior <laughs> And 99% of the time, the guy doesn't even have a clue of what it's like to work with people of just like average genetics or even below average genetics. That's true. The propensity for big G-Wiz muscles and large muscular physique would be about the same as people growing seven foot tall. They do exist. Yeah. You know, the NBA is full of them. Yeah. And you see them all in the same areas, either the volleyball court or the basketball courts. But you walk down, uh, let's say, to a big shopping mall, busy shopping mall, and you would sit there. You might not see anyone that big the entire day or maybe one person. That's true. Most most people would be, you know, between 5'6 you know, and 5'10, like uh, what we consider average height. And there might be some people on the other end of the, the curve, really short. Maybe you would see a midget or a dwarf, maybe. <laughs> And you might see one guy that really stands out, super tall. Well, that's the same genetic propensity for muscularity. Wow. Now, you sit there all day. You might see a couple guys that look pretty good. You might see someone that is really yoked. And most people would look, you know, average build. And then there would be a lot of people below average builds. And then some people that just really, you know, either really skinny or, or whatever. So this idea that everyone can get big G whiz muscles if you follow the secret sauce and the secret routines, nah, that doesn't it's just it's, that's so true. It's though. a fa- it's a false promise and a lot yeah. of guys have been so frustrated by that. I know guys that spend their life jumping from program to program and choking down horrible protein shakes in an effort to yeah. you know, blender blender bombs. Eating six meals then, a day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm sorry, guys. It's just not going to happen. And 
you know, or it's not sustainable. Or it's not sustainable. And a lot of the guys that uh, do, do manage to get, uh, you know, these uh, amazing physiques, a lot of times they manifest a lot of health problems. I mean, look at Charles Poliquin. Yeah. That was a real shocker. Yeah. You know? Heart Massive attack. Heart attack. Yeah. It didn't surprise me, but a lot of people. How old, how old was he? Was in his 50s or? Yeah, early 50s. Yeah. Yeah, like 52 or 53. But, you know, you, you can't you can't take out the specter of uh, drugs. A lot yeah. of these guys are using drugs. Yeah. And that pretty much destroys any credibility when it comes to supplements that these guys tout. Because if you're on anabolic steroids, that pretty much overrides everything. Yeah. So, you know, you can pretty much discount any nutritional information they would give you about diet and even exercise for that matter. Yeah. You're so, burning the candle at both ends at that point, right? You're, yeah. yeah, exactly. You, you get a genetic superior who's on drugs. Well, I mean, pretty much any advice they have for They're us super guys human. of normal or below normal uh, genetics, uh, it, it's just not even worth listening to. Yeah. That's why when I look at people, because uh, I listen to people, I, I have my gurus, but most of them are like really old, like old guys. Okay. What's a 20, 30, or even 40-year-old know about anything? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. It's a solid I, I'm point. looking at guys in their yeah. 80s and 90s that lived through it, that, that passed through the other, you know, the, the, the other end towards and have maintained uh, amazing physiques and, 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 and looking very closely at their habits, you know, mm. making sure that they're not uh, taking the testosterone replacement therapy and all this other nonsense. Uh, I want to remain drug free. You There's spoke about it. You, you don't take many supplements stuff. either, eh? Uh, no, well, actually that's not true. Okay. Since, since I've been here in Port Townsend, I started taking some herbal s supplements okay. uh, for boosting immunity. Okay. Uh, various stuff. Uh, I was taking uh, uh, olive leaf, Okay. Uh, extract, which is really good. I was taking bamboo salt, which is a really good uh, uh, source of natural minerals bamboo and, salt. and, and wow. so forth. Uh, I, I was taking a, cu a couple other things, uh, but mostly er in, in the form of uh, herbal preparations, Okay. Uh, uh, Ayurvedic stuff. But no, I don't pound like the GNC. <laughs> <laughs> Those protein yeah. shakes. It's those funny you, you said Ayurvedic. Um, like when you were saying before that you're, you know, like I'm not a doctor. In my mind, from from just getting to know you from like past uh, podcasts and and uh, like, you know, I, I first saw you I think on London Reel or something like that. And uh, the thing that came to mind for me is that you're kind of a yogi, you know, like maybe not in a traditional sense, you know, like not eating meat and doing these postures and everything, but like you have this deep. Um, belief in, in experience, you know, and you have this connection to what you're getting out of the, the techniques that you that you attempt. And like you were saying, also, you have gurus, you have people who have tried and failed or tried and succeeded. Those are the people you look towards. And it's it's all about the body and the mind as they are, as they work. And and you derive information from that, you know, like you're you're you'll take supplements, but they're extracts or concentrates, you know, of herbs, you're not going to mess with anything in a kind of blanket way, it's, it's kind of holistic. It's kind of natural. It's kind of, it's a, a lot of it really does sound like yoga. And I'm wondering if you, 
if you resign to that stuff in any way or if you scoff a lot of it because it can like a lot of people you know claim that a lot of yoga postures specifically can be very like like mechanically uh damaging so um, i'd love your opinion on because it's really the way i see you i honestly just kind of label you as like a modern yogi a little bit well yoga yoga is very much tied into uh hinduism it is a form of religion and a lot you know the postures are just like one little small part of you know that whole system uh, I, I personally was raised a Christian with Christian values, and I do believe in the, the power of, of Christ. Uh, I don't Bible thump and proselytize, but uh, I, I became very enamored with this whole uh, science of mind or mind science, mental science, or new thought, something that started uh, in the eight, late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, it's been around for a long time, even before that, even pre-Egyptian civilization. There was there was people that recognized the fact that uh, your subconscious mind is capable of producing circumstances for you. Hmm. And people utilize this all the time without even knowing it. The first book I read in the subject was As a Man Thinketh by James I. Allen been translated in many many different languages and that was the first time i had heard about how you can create your reality through mental thinking uh there's guys that wrote things about uh positive thinking you know or uh that type of stuff but it's even more than just positive thinking and i i believe strongly that thoughts are things and they put into motion uh energy Hmm. Uh, either negative or positive, as 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 uh, depending on uh, you know what kind of thinking that you're doing. Uh, a lot of people spend a lot of time worrying and being fearful about things, while they're just concentrating on the things they don't want to have happen in their lives. I choose to spend my time thinking about the things I want to have happen. That doesn't mean that I'm immune to the collective consciousness or fear or anything like that you know it's it's uh it can be uh oh, excuse me a second i'm being distracted here what are you doing okay but it's very distracting i'm trying to concentrate so uh the the the, the whole idea of this mental science uh, is basically you concentrate your thoughts on the things that you want to have happen. You pretty much become aware that you have a constant flow of thoughts in and out of your mind all day long. There's this constant stream of thinking and thoughts that go on. A lot of people are unaware of it, but once you become aware of it, you can start to control it. And then you reject those thoughts that that uh, that you, you don't want to bring into being okay like uh, uh you know you'll, you'll get like these weird negative thoughts that jump in your mind you can reject those thoughts yeah and get rid of it it's, uh, i call it like mental judo or mental jujitsu <laughs> i actually visualize myself taking like some negative thought like an ent entity 
and like flipping it and throwing it out into a river or, nice. or something. You know, I, I use this analogy. Uh, I was a big Kurosawa fan. I used to love his movies. And there was this one called Seguro, a judo saga. It, it, it was a movie about the origins of judo. Uh, unfortunately, the movie was all chopped up. It was heavily edited. And a lot of the original scenes were cut from it. I heard the original was like really magnificent. Okay. Even, even the cut version is still pretty good, but it, it, it's kind of choppy. Anyway, there's a scene where he's accosted by these three thugs in the street, and Seguro throws him into a canal <laughs> with these beautiful, beautiful, as they come at him, yeah. he does these beautiful throws and throws him into this river. It's really cool. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I use this thought, like when I get these negative thoughts. I'll see myself like tossing it into the river. Nice. I have something similar. It's really funny. Like a metaphor yeah. to shield yeah. myself against. Because, you know, nowadays with, I try not to read news. Nice. I might look at headlines. You know, like I, I like to look at my news feed just to see if we're at war with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, this place is a hot spot. Maybe I'll avoid that for a few months. Yeah. You know. Uh, I won't be going to Iran anytime soon, yeah. let's say. <laughs> Which is a shame, actually. Yeah. It would be a cool place to go visit. But, you know, for the climate right now, you know. Yeah. China probably wouldn't be such a great place no. to be in right now, you know. Nope. But, you know, I want to go back to Russia, but I'll let, wait till things calm down a little bit, you know, with this virus. <laughs> so I'll read the news for stuff like that, just to see what the hot spots are. But I won't read, because it's just someone's opinion. Half the time it's fake, uh, or it's just partial truths. It's trying to get you and, to have uh, anger towards it. Yeah, and a lot of these yeah. stories have been fed to the media yeah. by people with an agenda, powers that be, these sources, you know, yeah. clandestine organizations and such, will feed these news stories, and they're not even accurate. But no one really knows. Yeah, It seems like it could be. But how do you know? So I don't even read that stuff at all, especially opinions and all that. And it's mentally draining. Uh, I, I just avoid it, man. And, and absolutely yeah. don't watch the news yeah. on TV. Yeah. Reading's one thing, you know, but watching it on the news, newscasters are actors and they are there to dramatize stuff. And the whole, the whole industry is fear driven to make people afraid. Yeah. It's 100%. kind of a form of mind control, really. So I, I choose to reject that and stick with mental science. But anyone can do it. I'm nothing special. You know, I, I'm no guru. I don't have, you know, I, I just recognize the power of the subconscious mind. Nice. Uh, if people want to explore this, there's some real experts out there. This guy, Neville Goddard, was amazing. Faith is your fortune. Uh, you know, uh, I like this guy, Ernest Holmes. Hmm. He was real interesting. He wrote The Science of Mind. Uh, Thomas Troward, uh, he used to uh, lecture in uh, Edinburgh, and uh, he, he talked a lot about mental science, and uh, he, was, he was really, uh, his, uh, yeah, the, the, the Edinburgh lectures are well worth reading by, by anyone. The, the philosophy uh, behind mental science is that the energy that you allow in is what will manifest for you? So, yes. Okay. The, the, you, you know, you have your conscious mind, 
okay. which we're using right now to come up with our, our, you know, our sentences, our words, you know, yeah. the things you see, your, your, your five senses, all that type of stuff. And then you have a subconscious mind, which is kind of like, uh, the, you, you, it's like Amazon, you know, you place an order and, uh, and then it will fulfill it. It's like a fulfillment center. It will direct circumstances so that things that seem like accidents, there are no accidents. You know, you meet the right person at the right time, be in the right place at the right time, say and do the right thing at the right time. It will direct you. It can be your best friend or it can be your worst enemy. Hmm. You know, people that uh, choose to use and program their subconscious mind with negativity will manifest negativity. It's your conscious mind that programs the subconscious mind. So that's why words are very important, to choose your words wisely, you know? I follow the philosophy, say what you mean, mean what you say, watch what you say, because words are very powerful. They put into, uh, there's the universal law of attraction. Like once you put that energy out, especially in the form of the spoken word, uh, you you set into motion a whole energetic, and so the and energy goes out and then it comes back. Yeah. And if it's and this this is your subconscious mind, so you can train it basically to start attracting goodness and beauty and love, but it takes a lot of work. It's like working out, you know, like it's repetitions. Yeah. And it, uh, there's four ways you do it. You do it through prayer and affirmation, contemplation, and meditation. So you got to work at it. You got to work out your 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 mind every day. Okay. And it's that it, you don't have to sit in a cross-legged lotus position, you know, or anything like that. You can lay down in bed. You can sit in a chair. I like uh, I use. Uh, uh, Theta brainwave meditations. Okay. Uh, I like uh, the one author I like in particular is Kelly Howe. She's really good. Uh, you can order it off of uh, uh, what is it, iTunes or whatever and download some of her uh, guided uh, meditation. Okay. There's also just music that play a theta beat. What this what the, what these waves do is slow your brain down, so that you put you you know you meditate like a monk first time out, man. Really? It doesn't take year. Years to master. Okay. I just wear these earphones. Got to be stereo earphones, and you just chill, and then you make your affirmations or your visualizations while you're in this theta state. It's the same state that you're in when you start to fall asleep at night in bed, as you're kind of between consciousness and sleep. Yeah. That's the theta state. Uh, and the same thing when you wake up in the morning when you first start to. Be, be, uh, wake up from a, from a sleep, you're still kind of in the twilight between sleep and wakefulness. This is the theta state. Okay. And you can put yourself there uh, kind of artificially using these theta brainwaves. Okay. I like it a lot. It's just a, a tool. You can do it without, certainly. But it just makes it a lot easier for a lot of folks just to relax. Mm-hmm. And you can program your subconscious mind with goodness and beauty and love and all those types of things. It's like your subconscious is like a tape recorder that's always on. You know? Always so on. It, and always language recording. is like this 
language is like a really powerful thing because we can we have it's the way we think now it's it's like it colors our unconscious a lot so it's like we have this little code now where we can speak to ourselves and you know like like people have stuff like talk therapy and and like singing therapy or or stream of consciousness writing where you surprise yourself with your own words and that's because there really is this division in the consciousness where there's there's this forward facing thing and then there's this it's kind of stomach, if you will, like we were talking about diet before, like certain thoughts or certain patterns. It's like something that we're eating, it's something that we're consuming in the mind. And it might taste good like sugar at first. It's like this habitual thing, this thing we think we need. But then when we process it, we're actually giving ourselves all these self-defeating beliefs and all this crap. And and it's it's like this thing that's always listening. It's like this. That's, there's no, I, I don't know how else to explain it. You know, like there's, there's something, there's a part of you that you don't really control that controls a lot of you and it's always listening and you do control what you say. You can learn with the, the things you were saying to kind of just uh, clear the mind a bit with meditation and contemplation, allow uh, to, uh, yourself, teach yourself to focus so that you can hold on to a thought long enough, accepting and rejecting thoughts. That's like a basic tenant of, of like, I mean, old school magic if you will. You know, it's literally just this idea where you create your reality by saying, oh, this came into my mind. I don't want that. Oh, this came into my mind. Okay, yes, I want that. And you, it's just as simple as saying I accept or I reject this. And saying it out loud can be even more powerful. Yeah. It's fucking yeah, you're actually <laughs> Yeah, you're actually putting your thoughts into like an energy form and, and speaking it out. And you're projecting your, your thoughts through your words into the universe. And, you know, what you put out is what you get back. So, you know, all, all of our realities are pretty much the sum total of all our positive and negative thoughts. 100%. And, you know, it, it's real easy to kind of understand, not so easy to do, <laughs> you know, because, because there's also this thing called the collective. Everyone's thoughts together. Yeah. And different areas have different collective consciousness you can almost feel it certain places are like really heavy you know when i get off the plane sometimes in certain countries it'd be like whoa wow you know you could feel the negative collective consciousness like china that's such a happy place yeah. and uh you know russia too was like kind of heavy you know people suffered there a long time their collective consciousness tends to be pretty negative you know and then there's happy places, you know, like uh, Norway or, you know, uh, believe it or not, Iceland. People are really, really quite happy. I heard that. Happy. I heard that. My Even friend though, went. The, you know, they have low light and low sunlight. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a case for genetics. All, all, the, uh, all, all the depressed people yeah. committed suicide and, <laughs> or got killed off and only the happy genes made it through. I don't know, man. <laughs> But it's yeah, it's a real you know. There's certain places that are really light and happy, and you, you can just feel it. Different cities, different areas you go into. It's true. You feel that collective. It must also now, be informed you, a bit by by like our impressions, though. You know, like there's a lot there's a lot that we know about a place like China and and Russia, and you can't help but think of that and then be a little more sensitive to like that collective. You know. Because oh yeah, you know I mean your pre your preconceived notions and ideas and. You know, your, maybe your prejudices and such like that. Uh, but you can use your subconscious mind also for your health. Every 
cell is under the command of your subconscious mind. And you can program your body to be healthier and you know stronger and more muscular and so forth within the bounds of your genetic framework. We, you know, there are the law, the, there are the physical laws of the universe that you, that you, you know, bind is all, you know. Um, yeah, a, a lot of people, I mean, like you're, you're kind of, you're tapping into like the placebo effect, you know, and a lot of people dismiss that because you, you put it into a, a box. You're like, oh, placebo effect. I understand that. And then it's like they, they dismiss it. But it's actually what you're saying is, sure, there's physical genetic limits. There's physical reality. We're not saying you think it and it happens, but kind of. Like there, there, there is a direct connection with your biology and your framework for your body and how you think and how you perceive and how your unconscious is like treating your, your, your itself, essentially. You know, like your brain, your gut, all these things are connected. Everything is connected by the, the, the nervous system and that informs the circulatory system, the digestive system. All, everything is fucking connected in, in the real sense. And, and there is something powerful and true to that. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I can wish myself taller or I can wish myself, uh, you know, uh, stronger. But in, in some ways, you can think through exercises and train your nervous system and train your body. In some ways, you can train yourself to be, to be smarter because you believe it, because you open up to the possibility and it becomes a thing of confidence. But it also becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, you, you will eat better because you are focusing on that universe you're focusing on that belief system but it's more complicated than that too you are changing the way your cells express themselves you know there's a depth to the placebo effect that people ignore and it's it's i think we should scare people a little bit and talk about the nocebo effect because it's just this other box to say if you think yourself into health you can think yourself into sickness yeah. and there are going to be like you were saying before steve about like uh, immunity there are there's a lot of it is belief you know, like the, I take cold showers for the last couple of years and I don't get sick. I really just don't get sick. The last time I got sick was a little bit because I was working at a hospital for the first time ever. And it's like a germ palace, you know, <laughs> places but, of death. Yeah, exactly. My sister has a ma yeah. master's degree in nursing and she, you know, she works at a major East Coast hospital. She tells me, yeah. I, I, I get to hear it from her. She sees it all. <laughs> she's in the, she's in the trenches, man. Yeah. But, um, uh, the the thing with the mind too is you can so you can definitely manipulate your body into uh, into health. Uh, for example, uh, here's a, here's an interesting experiment. This has been duplicated uh, many times. Uh, you measure your arm cold with a tape measure, and then you sit there and then you perform a set of curls like you're doing a dumbbell curl or a barbell curl. Okay. And you literally get through 10 reps, visualizing as you're doing it. And you will actually increase the, the, uh, the electro, uh, uh, you actually increase the, the, the uh, neurology in the, in, in the bicep. And if you take a tape measure and measure it, you actually have a little pump. You'll actually be a little bit bigger. Wow. I mean, that's been done right with, with no weight, just visualizing the actual. You just see yourself doing it. You okay. don't actually do it. Okay. You see yourself doing it. You nice. visualize and you try to generate the feelings that you've actually done it, and you will have a measurable increase in muscle size. Whoa. This has been done. Uh, there, there, there have been experiments with people in casts 
that would work themselves out in their mind. Let's say your knee is in a cast from a skiing accident or something. They would be doing leg extensions or squats in their head. And this would help prevent muscular atrophy. You actually, yeah, you get like an electrical stimulation just from from thought. The, the first time I became aware of the mind and its role in uh, how we look in our body, uh, when I was in the military, I was in the Army, I had this one sergeant that had this amazing physique. It's a black guy. And he looked like an ebon Greek statue, uh, like this perfect proportion. Just really lean and muscular with great definition. And I, I rarely ever saw him work out. A lot of times we were so busy, it was hard, and we didn't have time to really work out properly. Okay. And I, I rarely ever saw him train. And I said to him, I said, Sarge, how do you keep your physique looking so good on army food? And, you know, we don't even have proper workout facilities out there. And he said, every night before I go to bed, I visualize my body exactly the way I want it to be. And then I, I generate the, the feelings of gratitude that this has actually already happened. And the gratitude part is really important, by the way. And uh, I was amazed. At first, I didn't believe him. Hmm. I, I mean, I couldn't wrap my mind around the idea that you could visualize yourself like that. But then later, as I started reading more and more, I, I, I realized, wow, this guy is really on to something. Wow. So everyone has the ability to use the subconscious mind to pretty much project a certain image. So it's it's hard, yeah. and you would you know you, it, it takes practice just like anything else. But you it, it's just like anything else. You get better and better and better at it. For sure, it sounds almost like an affirmation. You know, like it's not words like an affirmation, but you're 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 visualizing this. You're sending this this image into the subconscious, like we were talking about before, and it it's make it's allowing you on on some subconscious levels, on some unconscious levels to to believe you have like a different shape, you know, you have a different uh, physique or like a or like you you worked out or something like that, you know, and in some simple way you're just sending a message. But like you said before, it's like how it works or, or the technique can be simple. You just have to kind of practice until you hone in on it, and the results might not come right away, but I, I kind of hear a logic in it, you know, like I, I, I feel like, again, if you think about it with yoga, people talk about how you, you release emotions by releasing tension, by releasing certain muscles, especially like your psoas and stuff and the core. And, and you know, you, you look at like internally rotated shoulders and, and your pectorals are short and you're and like, you have this, you have this emotion of, of like protection and it starts shaping and kind of misshaping your body if you're stressed out all the time and you're breathing shallow you're breathing more in the chest like all those things it changes your shape it changes your fascia everything becomes this kind of person and then as you release that you start bumping up against emotional barriers not just physical barriers and you might even like cry or like because you're breathing differently it, it releases stuff this seems like you're going the other direction and you're just giving this intentionality or this belief that you are this ebony god or whatever you know and and then you you wake up the next morning without even thinking about it your your chin is tucked in your chest is puffed out you're engaging your core you're engaging your lower back you're engaging your glutes even though you might be someone who sits at the desk all day suddenly you are walking around just convinced that you are a better shape and then again there's a self-fulfilling prophecy well part of this is by by programming the subconscious mind you start doing the right stuff start eating better 
you know, you just, yeah. You, yeah, you do the right exercises. You, you, you start doing the right actions. You put, you know, the subconscious mind directs you. Sometimes this is, you know, you're not even consciously aware, but you just start finding yourself doing the right thing at the right time. Um, that's why it's very important, like, when a person trains and works out, especially strength training, to be very mindful of what you're doing. Not playing rock music or wearing earphones and listening to music uh, or watching TV, but you should be 100% focused on exactly what you're doing, mm -hmm. the actions that you're doing. You know, basically being in the present, you know, being here now and not trying to escape. No. And you should really have that mind to muscle connection when you're when you're weight training, when you're doing your push-ups or your pull-ups or or any of that kind of stuff. It's yeah. very I, very important. It's a solid point. I find I find recently I've been doing this workout and it's kind of like this cardio like it's it's not it's not a circuit. I'm I'm not I'm not big into the fitness world. I don't know all the terminologies, but it's like you'll you'll do these kind of compound exercises and and you do them to failure but like it's like, let's say three leg exercises in a row and you'll just do like one legged squats, let's say for, as an example, and then, uh, uh, bottomed out squats. So like you go half, you go down, then halfway up and then down again. And that's one. And then the third, uh, grouping, it's like you do these all for a minute will be jump squats. So you are burning your, you're frying your legs at this point. And I would try to do as much as I could at first. And then when you do all these exercises and, and you do everything, you do, you do the whole thing again a second or third time to really get like a, a crazy cardio workout and a, and a good muscular workout. It's still more maintenance than anything. It's body weight. It's kind of like coronavirus land and, and we're just all at home kind of thing, but it's better than nothing. And I gained so much benefit from trying to do less, but trying to do every single one with perfect form and at first, you know, you get this kind of ego hit because you're not hitting the numbers. You know, it, even though I wasn't counting, I was kind of counting. I'm doing my jump squats and I'm doing, I'm trying to do 20 or 30 in a minute and killing myself. And that's, that's my limit anyway, you know. And then I would end up doing like 10 or 15 because I realize I start getting tired and I go really slow and I try to catch myself like a ninja and it becomes this kind of negative movement. And suddenly my gains explode Again, I'm not really fit. I know I kind of like will will get gains really quickly, but it feels better. It's kind of like a belief thing. It's like I'm really involved in each move now. I don't know if you if you if you like if what I'm saying resonates, but like I what you were saying made me think of that. There's just this kind of there's a depth in my exercise now that I didn't have before, and it's kind of meditative. It's got its own benefits mentally, but the fact that I'm present and really giving each movement like the love it, it deserves is actually giving me clearer gains also. And that's really surprising because I thought I just got to burn myself out. I got to just push myself and the form starts getting ugly, but it's, it's no bueno. It's, it's actually better. Less is more. It's, it's, I think a lot of people in the fitness world are kind of touting that now. And it's hard to chew on. It's hard to be like, no, less is really more. Recovery is more important. Yeah. Working out smarter the movement even, the reps even, if you do them properly, you're going to get more out of it. It's not just about hammering. We know from years and years of uh, uh, empirical evidence, and also there's been some really exciting uh, research done in exercise, 
we now know that the amount of weight is unnecessary. It doesn't matter. Heavy weights, light weights. People equate weight with resistance. They're two separate issues. You can use a very heavy weight and lift it in a very efficient manner so that the resistance is actually lighter than using a lighter weight in a really strict manner. So you can make a clever fellow would want to use light weight because there's no real benefit to using heavy weights unless you are a weight lifter. If you're a competitive weight lifter or you compete in CrossFit games or something, obviously uh, the amount of weight is going to be important to you. But for health and, or uh, making yourself a better athlete or just getting general strength, it's unnecessary to have really, really heavy weight. You can use those weights in such a way that by using your, a really strict form or moving very slowly with high tension, you can produce amazing training effect without necessarily having to subject your joints and your connective tissue to super heavy weight. A lot of the other thing we, we know also is the intensity of effort is more important yeah. than the volume. Mm. Doing three submaximal sets would never equal one really hard all-out set. We also knew, know that you do not have to move explosively like those jump squats to recruit fast twitch muscle fiber. All you're doing is stressing your, your joints and connective tissue up with fast explosive movement. It's just totally unnecessary. You're not selectively recruiting fast twitch muscle fiber. There's no reason to do anything fast, to do jump squats. If you want to get better at jumping, let's say to dunk a basketball, or you're a track and field athlete and you want to improve your broad jump, obviously you have to practice the jumping. But doing jumping squats would not do any of that other than just make your knees sore for no good reason, just where, where the knees out. But there's something that you mentioned earlier I want to talk to. You mentioned how your body will store and hold emotions and that your body shape sometimes will reflect negative emotional patterns in your body. There, there's, a, uh, there's a body work called Rolfing. I was Rolf back in the 70s. And uh, it, it's, it's also called postural integration. And the Rolfer will go in there and literally manipulate the fascial tissues, the connected tissue, and help realign the structure. And in so doing that, they have to release a lot of tensions that have been held there by the tissues, the connected tissue. Yeah. And sometimes it will evoke strong mm -hmm. emotional response. People will cry or they'll remember some type of trauma or they'll relive some past negative experience. You know, sometimes they get angry. I mean, a whole gamut of sometimes they'll get fearful. That happens in those rolfing sessions when they actually release something maybe in your neck or your upper back that's been there for years and years and years. You know, these are like blockages that prevent like good energy flow and circulation through the body. Yeah. So it's real interesting, this postural integration. I swear by rolfing, by the way. I think it's really good. I, did. I recommend your listeners find a certified yeah. rolfer. Yeah, they're incredible. Get 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 the ten sessions. It's expensive, but you know yeah. some of the best money you'll ever spend. I did a because I'm a massage therapist as well, and I did a fascial course. And the one we had like a wall a rolfer do a seminar, and he was showing. I forgot what they called it, but it was uh, Tom Myers Anatomy Trains. It was that whole course. 
I don't know if you're yeah, fam- yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. So I'm familiar with that. I think it was fascial integration or something, biomatic, biomechanical integration. Or so, I can't remember the term, but it was a lot of that and a lot of releasing just the fascial tissues that are our bodies formed into certain positions. And I remember I had a client where she was high anxiety, a lot of stress, always breathing upper chest, you know, never really opening up the diaphragm to its capacity. And I was working on her diaphragm and just by putting my thumbs at the rib cage and just lifting a little bit, uh, all of a sudden this whole flush of oxygen just went to her head that she never had because she was always up here, you know? And she just broke down into tears. So it's funny you mentioned that because that was just like this whole world she wasn't even aware of because she was so stuck in her chest in terms of anxiety, mental state that physically manifested that when I opened up the diaphragm, that which produces calmness and mindfulness, this whole process just happened for her and she just, it like it was a new door. It was really fascinating. Yeah, my Rolf used to tell me some pretty fascinating stories of different clients she'd work with. One of the craziest ones was, uh, you know, I, I've always tried to avoid surgery as much as I can. And uh, she was working with a person that had had some extensive surgery on the knee. And as she was working and releasing the tissue, uh, a wave of like gas came up out of the tissues. It, it, it was trapped anesthesia. Whoa. That this stuff had actually been trapped in the tissues for years. And she said she smelled it. She could smell it. And she it was almost like like a little little cloud came up out of the tissues as she was manipulating and working it. And she said, yeah, she says it was so bizarre. But then that was the first time. And then she's seen this many times afterwards, working with old scars and incisions and so forth. The, the, the uh, anesthetic uh, sometimes gets trapped in those tissues and released. It's, I know it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bizarre. The medical community doesn't have a clue about this. No. You know, I, I realized the other day that doctors and medical students, they work with cadavers, dead people. And that's a whole different type of anatomy yeah. from a living tissue. That, you know, the fascial tissue and all that stuff is kind of really hard and, and dried up. And, you know, it, it's not the same as working with a live body so a lot of the stuff that we're talking about you know uh would be poo-pooed by the medical community only because they just don't know they've never seen it they've never experienced it their 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 uh their experiences with live human bodies is pretty much regulated just taking blood pressure and heart rate and you know popping pills or giving giving shots it's a good point yeah. And not to mention those cadavers, if that's their point of reference, because I did a few cadaver courses, is the majority of cadavers are are seniors, people in their high, late 80s dying from disease. So all, even that as their reference point, that's their limited, although it's a cadaver, it's plus it's in the higher 80s age range. So it's not a very accurate depiction of what a, a 30-year-old athlete's body is working like, you know? That's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah, I, I had a chance to work with cadaver also, and uh, but it's not the same. Not at all. I mean, it's really interesting from just a, a pure a- anatomical point of view. Yeah. But it's it's not like real live bodies. Yeah. 
completely completely different. And all this stuff we're talking about, the massage therapy, the you know postural integration, the uh, you know release of uh, these tissues can be a really good aid for people that are in pain or are having physical problems. Yeah. A lot of times, uh, a good body worker can release a lot of that stuff. Uh, in fact, I used to have a saying like, you know, if you're, if you're having a pain or an ache or whatever, and you can't get rid of it within about two or three days through uh, exercise, uh, mobility type exercises and stretching, then that's the time to see your body worker. Mm. And sometimes a body worker can get rid of something in 10 minutes that might take you a month to do so true. through exercise. It's so true. Yeah. They're, they're going to give you like a, a big boost, you know, like they might not just fix the problem. Like you might have to fix something in your life, but they'll give you this huge head start and then hopefully some kind of intervention also like, Hey, do this exercise at home or Hey, stop doing this, stop sitting down for eight hours or, or whatever, like get a yoga ball. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Well, like the, the mind created the condition in the first place. Yeah. So then the rolfer will go in and work from the physical point of view with the massage therapist and will change the structure that sometimes has the reverse effect of kind of changing the mind. But, you know, if the person continues with the same activities and the same belief systems, they're just going to go back to where they were before. Yeah. I know Slowly some people that literally had to go and see the therapist every week after week after week, which is good for business for them. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, all, it's because they wouldn't change the behaviors and the belief systems. They created the condition in the first place. Yeah. So yeah. now they're just relating. Now they're just relying on mechanical manipulation in an effort to. But that's not the case. Yeah. We just spoke about how it's so con- intertwined with the mind and the body connection. So if they're just fixing the physical, but nothing up here is adapting, it's just going to go right back in that pattern. Exactly. It's like a tune-up. Yeah, it's more. It's like, like a yeah, it's like a mind. tune-up. Yeah, like taking your car in and getting the you know getting the oil changed and you know getting. You know, getting getting the wheels realigned and, and rotating your tires and so forth. Hey guys, excuse me, just one second. Yeah, I I drank coconut water mixed with cold brew coffee. It's all good. And it's gone through me, man. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta run to the head real quick. I'll be back in like two minutes. It's all Sorry. good. Yeah, I'll take it. I might take the opportunity to drain the lizard as well. Drain the lizard. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard that? No, I'm not editing that out. That's sticking around. Drain the lizard. Whoops. That's a great saying, Sammy. Okay, everyone in the audio, I will cut you out and I'll add you back into the conversation as it continues. I love you all and thank you for listening to Curious Chimps Podcast. If you want to support us, you can subscribe to us on YouTube where you can see our faces. We do short clips too from podcast episodes. Um, it'd be really awesome if you start also maybe engaging with us on our Facebook group, Curious Chimps, uh, send us a message, send us a guest request, send us anything. Uh, we want to hear from you, connect with you and learn from you. This is, we're Curious Chimps and it's not just Sammy and I and our guests. It's the listeners too. We're all curious chimps on this wild planet attacked by pandemics, asteroids, uh, weird shit but we're all holding it together because we love each other. So that's my monologue. I will edit the last portion of this out. And uh, yeah, stay tuned.
What's up, bro? I did a nice Flatter. little. I did a nice little uh, monologue for uh, our listeners. Nice. Can't wait to hear it. You know what? I want to ask this guy about uh, about my fucking feet, man. About because he was saying, "I'm uh, back." Hey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We. Ha- I wanted to ask you something. I just. I just thought of it because I had this little pain. I mean, like you were talking about not a, not, uh, or let's say avoiding sh- surgery. As like you know, at all costs, maybe like obviously it's necessary sometimes, but like just avoiding. Yeah, it I mean, ca- catastrophic injuries and so forth. Exactly. Uh, one thing about that, you you always got to look at like what were my thoughts and thinking that led me to getting really badly injured. You know, I've had some pretty bad injuries in my life, but when I look back and I study it carefully, I can see all the negative issues in my negative mindset that led to me getting hurt. Yeah. And these are wake up messages mm-hmm. sent by your, your, your higher consciousness to kind of bring you back to alertness. Sometimes a seeming disaster is actually a blessing in disguise and each injury or insult or disease is basically symbolic, a metaphor for some higher truth. Different areas of the body represent different aspects. For example, shoulders. I have a right shoulder problem. It has to do with responsibility or taking on too much responsibility. You know, you even hear things like shouldering your responsibility or put your shoulder to the grindstone or shoulder to the wheel. You see, it has to do with work and burden carrying burdens around, you know? Uh, I've had neck problems. Your neck has to do with fear of change or fear of new ideas or being stuck in old outworn ideas, Mm. Uh, you know? Stubbornness, this would manifest in neck problems. And it just goes on and on. Every part of the the eye, the ego, you know, I see you guys are both wearing spectacles, eyeglasses. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you decided you didn't want to see clearly anymore. There was an emotional decision somewhere along your lines that clouded your vision. By the way, you can restore your vision naturally through eye exercises. Uh, re, uh, there's there's a awesome book called Take Off Your Glasses and See. When I was in Russia, there was a guy that showed me eye exercises to do, okay. and I got I, I I got rid of my glasses. I wore glasses from fourth grade up through my you know forties. I, I got rid of them. I threw them in the trash after reading the book, and uh, I passed the Washington State Drivers Examination. Wow! Look at he split. I also passed the Hawaii State Drivers Exam. With no glasses, no no visual aids. But all of these, the eye has to do with the ego, by the way. And uh, my ego got smashed early, you know, through uh, through being uh, uh, somewhat a, a abusive father, guy that used to like to pretty quick with that belt. He was like a samurai with that belt, the way he whipped that thing off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the the, the, the Mifuni of uh, of belt whipping. So, you know, all these things have an effect on your psyche and, you know, so forth. I'm sure that had, had something to do with the, the eyeglasses. Also, uh, I had a horrible third-grade teacher, just horrible, vicious, mean, screaming, humiliating. She would just 
bring students to tears, including myself. And the very next year, I had to have, uh, I was uh, diagnosed with myopia, nearsightedness, and that was the start of wearing glasses. But unfortunately, wearing eyeglasses is a crutch, yeah. just like wearing uh, uh, like a, a, an abdominal brace all the time. The muscles become weak and flaccid, just like mm-hmm. the eye muscles do, and they shorten. And uh, each year, if you notice, your prescription gets stronger and stronger. Yeah. So that that's when I decided, screw this. I'm going to do something about my eyes. What's and some of the exercises they do? Of exercises. Take off your glasses and see is one book. Okay. You know, but there's so many exercises you can do okay. to strengthen your eyes so you you don't have to be dependent on corrective lenses. That's just one example, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's tons of stuff that have happened to my body, but it was all the result of my own negative emotional thoughts. Emotions definitely create negative conditions in, in, in the body. Yeah. But they can be corrected the same way. Now, if if these negative conditions have been going on for years and years and years, that's when you may need a little help, like from the rolfer, the massage therapist, the Chinese acupuncturist, maybe a chiropractor. You know, these are people that all use an osteopath. Yeah. You know, these are all people that use uh, natural means and don't prescribe drugs or surgery to do what they do. In the medical world, what are the options? Either they're going to drug you with some type of medication that covers up the symptoms, or they're going to perform a surgery and cut some part of your body out. Mm. But the under the underlying cause of what caused the condition in the first place is still there. Yeah, I just had two clients, adults that had tonsillectomies in Finland, and I tried to talk them out of it, but they were convinced. But the thing that causes the tonsils to swell, the same condition was there. Just because they cut their tonsils out, the, the same exact condition exists. Now some other body part's going to go haywire. That's you know, good point. cutting a body part out to relieve symptoms is insane, in my opinion. That's a solid yeah, point. I, I never thought. But, of I mean, that's to, so common, man. Yeah, I never I thought of that. By the way, uh, uh, before I forget, uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, for Please. your listeners that are interested in this, read, read Louise Hay, Louise. Who's the Matter with Me? Or Louise Hay also wrote a book, uh, You Can Heal Your Body, or You Can Heal Yourself, I think it's called. Okay. Just look up the name, Louise Hay. She was also a, uh, uh, a thought, a new thought uh, practitioner okay. who believed in, 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 in the power of the subconscious mind to heal. Because an awful lot of these conditions are underlying negative emotional conditions. Resentment is a huge one, by the way. Resentment and anger, hidden anger, swallowed anger, resentment of a spouse. It just can eat you up inside and cause a whole manifestation of negative health problems from digestive disturbances, immune problems, heart health. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Inflammation, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I mean, I was really, when you were saying like uh, neck problems and it's linked to stubbornness and stuff like that, like some people might dismiss the information uh, off the off cuff because it, they don't see the connection. But I think a lot of people are starting to realize it's like a feedback system, you know, I will feel a certain way and that will make my, 
the way I sit will be informed by my emotional state. And I might crunch my abs in a little bit more because I feel frustrated. So I, I tuck my, my, my uh, traps, you know, and I, and I tuck my, my abdominal, my core a little bit. And then my, my back gets rounded. My neck starts going out. Like my cervical spine starts kind of collapsing. And this could be reinforced by, by you know, a, a desk job. But maybe I take a desk job because of that, you know, it's this feedback loop that you you don't know what's what's the, the chicken, and what's the back. Ch- chicken or the egg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what came, and what came releasing first? it, releasing it gives you that that information back as well. Like we were talking about, like having these cathartic moments. You know, like you suddenly are breathing differently, or like some muscle is actually triggered again that was like dormant, and it literally gives you this chemical reaction, this like wake up of a of a memory or like a, an association. That's the word I'm looking for association but that's what i wanted to ask you because i have a friend who actually read that book and she has like those pinhole glasses and it actually helps yeah yeah th- those things work man it's crazy man she doesn't she doesn't she still wears glasses but she she's like kind of in the process and she's telling me this is really working it's kind of surprising and i even had another friend who was very out there very guru type like um, like a honestly he was like a young guy but he was like a natural mystic and i he, he used to tell me the same thing that you said. That my eye, my glasses are like a crutch. It's like in a, in a way, it's like a form of victimization. And even though I can't see shit without them, especially like at night, maybe I can learn. You know, I can I can I can pretend almost that I can see better at night, and then I will be focusing more. You know, whereas I kind of turn my visual uh, like uh, attention off at night because I think I can't see well at night. So then there's like this muscle activity that's not happening and. And who knows, like maybe because you're getting less sunlight through your, your eyes because it's going through the glass, there's like a less, there's less of like a vitamin C uh, acquisition and all this crazy shit that's all connected. But she told me something that I want to ask you. I have bunions. I have like, I, I must have had like tight shoes when I was a kid or maybe it's genetics as well or something. But like my big toe grew crooked now. And I... I wonder sometimes, like I had to wear orthotics, I had to do exercises to like kind of create an arch. And now I kind of have one, but like my, my tibia, my, my tibialis anterior, whatever it's called, is like very overdeveloped. And, well, developed, like, it, it has to do more work because my, my feet want to fall in because my big toes are like this sort of instead of like being straight. So is there, can I fix that with exercise or do I have to get a doctor to go in there and snap my toe so that it heals in like a more optimal position you know like where there's, there's uh my ex-wife used to wear high heels she was a uh, cocktail waitress for years and uh what great in those high heels <laughs> but, <I don't>. uh, <laughs> yeah make sure that you don't wear your high heels anyway you know or just save them for for uh, cr- cross special, dress night, special occasion. <laughs> special occasion, but uh, no, I mean th- those things are terrible for uh, women's feet. And uh, she she also had a huge bunion, it was very painful. And we ordered her a bunion splint that she would wear nightly. And uh, I myself uh, had my feet jammed into some pretty tight shoes as a kid, and my toes were kind of squeezed together. I started wearing these toe spreaders. Uh, there's all sorts of brands that sell them. Uh, Yoga Toes is one that comes off the top of my mind. Okay. But there's other brands. 
that you put these little things between the toes. It's like this? Like, oh, like, like, well, where is it here? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And that that will help correct. And you wear it during the day or at night. You get There's some of them that you can wear inside the shoes. Also, get rid of all the heavily padded shoes and all your orthotics. Once again, there's just going to be a crutch. You, the muscles will always stay flaccid and weak. Uh, you can do towel drags with your feet and build that muscular arch. I've had a lot of people with flat feet and, and collapsed in feet that built muscular arches in their feet through foot exercise, tibial dorsiflexion, and you know dragging a towel with the toes. Also, pick, dropping things in the floor and picking them up. Like just take like fifty marbles and pick up with your toes and put each marble in the jar. Wow! Yeah. You can develop. Uh, very strong feet and calves and then start wearing what they call minimalist shoes some people refer to as barefoot shoes to really strengthen up those feet now don't do fully stuff like going out and running a 10k run or something (laughs) (laughs) i know i'm gonna get plantar fasciitis or whatever no no you you know you start just walking around you know and uh any shoe with a heel go to a zero drop where the height of the heel and the toe is the same exact. There's a lot of different shoe companies that make really nice minimalist shoes, natural shoes. Anytime you have a heel, your gait will be unnatural, and you'll be a heel striker for life. Okay. You know, you uh, Vivo barefoot shoes. Uh, by the way, I get no money from these companies. It's just you know, yeah. any of the books I ma- mentioned, I, I'm not selling nothing. Nice. So yeah, I don't sell supplements, nothing. Okay. Uh, it's just stuff I found useful, just in case people are wondering. Yeah. But Vivo Barefoot is really good. Uh, Zero Shoes make really cool sandals and, and awesome uh, shoes. Uh, Germany is huge into the barefoot shoe movement. I know it's kind of oxymoronic to use the term barefoot shoe. <laughs> you're either barefoot or you're wearing a shoe. Yeah. Uh, I prefer the term minimal shoe more, where you don't have a lot of support and thick padding, you know, that, that, that really ruins the ground feel and all those sensory nerves in the bottom of your foot. You can't really feel what's going on. Hmm. Uh, your gait becomes really messed up. Your feet become atrophied and weak. It's tantamount to like, I remember back in the fifties, my mother, for example, women of that era used to wear girdles to hold their stomachs in. But as a result, the transverse abdominis and a lot of the connective tissue become very flaccid and weak. A lot of the same women developed, all sorts of internal organ problems, lower back problems as a result of using a girdle to kind of hold themselves in. Hmm. Uh, you know, you see these guys at Home Depot wearing these back braces all the time. Once you wear a back brace all the time, you don't know how to lift without it. Yeah. You know, you could, you could throw your back off just lifting up your kid or something or, you know, picking up a bag of groceries. Uh, so you, you don't want to become dependent on props, devices, you know, supports, any of that stuff. None of it. And you mm. want to get rid of all, even eyeglasses, you know. You you can do it, but it, it, it takes, you know, the physical reprogramming and mental reprogramming. As soon as you the, don't believe it's going to work, you know. As soon it, as this you know? podcast is it over, I'm going to take off these you, glasses. Surprised. <laughs> your, your eyes will get yeah. very strong. Yeah. Uh, I would recommend reading the book through. Once, maybe twice. Okay. And, uh, you know, there's different eye exercises. There's also massage, pressure points, things you can do. Uh, Really good stuff. 
And yeah, uh, check out the Tibetan eye chart. Put one in your refrigerator and stand in front of it and work your eyes using the Tibetan eye chart every day. Okay. You can download it. I, I actually made a copy right off the uh, internet. Okay. And I have one on my refrigerator. Oh, yeah? You probably, let's see. Tibetan eye chart. Can you see that? Oh, cool. That's a, that's a Tibetan eye chart. Wow. You just trace the outside edge of that. I sit down in front of that so that my nose is right here in the middle, right oh, there. Okay. And then you trace up and down one way. You know, you just go, You do, your eyes make all these micro movements up and down the chart. And uh, it's quite a little eye workout. You'd be surprised. That, can, like It looks like it. It's kind of tight. <laughs> all these little micro movements, strength, yeah, it makes it really, really tight. But... Uh, yeah, that's just some things. And listen, do I have a perfect body? No, I'm a fallible human. Yeah. I have negative belief systems, even you know, even now. Yeah. Even knowing what I know, you know, I have both legs. You know, my right shoulder is pretty jacked up from doing kettlebells. Okay. Stupid experiment. <laughs> I'm not an advocate of kettlebell training anymore. Really? I just realized that. Uh, yeah. No, I think it's uh, has too many negatives. Anytime you're slinging or throwing weight around, I uh, think it has a really negative effect on your musculoskeletal system. I mean, think of it as a massage therapist, right? Yeah. Think about this. People swinging a, a tennis racket. What's a tennis racket weigh? A half pound, maybe? Not even. It's true. Right? Yeah. Just a f few hundred grams. Most tennis rackets are really light. Yes, they manifest tennis at elbow. So true. Just the force of swinging that racket with such force. Uh, how about golfers? Right? Tiger Woods, what, two major back surgeries? You know, you're always hearing about these guys, their backs. First of all, they're swinging one direction all the time. But just swinging that club, which doesn't weigh anything, can really rack up the, you know, you hear golfers with elbow, shoulder, spinal problems. Yeah. How about swimming? Swimmer's shoulder is not uncommon. You're just pushing water yeah. with force. A lot of these repetition movements against resistance over and over and over again can manifest in a breakdown of the tissues. So what do you think is happening when you're slinging a 24-kilogram kettlebell? 55 pounds. You, if a tennis racket and a golf club or even water can create dysfunction in the joints, what do people think is going to happen when they start swinging these weights around? Hmm. Yeah, Something to think about. It's an interesting point. It puts a lot of wear and tear in the body for no good reason. There's nothing that the kettlebell will do for you that you can't do just as well using slow, safe, sane exercise. I'm very big into slow, high-tension movements. It's almost like medicine for the joints. Hmm. It's, it's really, really important to really keep your form really tight. Like I said, the most important thing is intensity of effort, but... Uh, Form comes close second. You, you can have a great physique and get really strong using really bad form. You can. You see YouTube wonders every day <laughs> using the most atrocious form ever. And they're like these really muscular, strong guys. So obviously form isn't important for results. What it is important for is safety and sustainability to keep you from, from injuring yourself or just general wear and tear. A lot of times you won't get acute injuries you get like a whole bunch of subacute insults to the joints that just build up over time mm. 
and then yeah. just one day you'll be doing something, and then bam, your knee or your back will go. It I may like be some unrelated thing. Yeah, it's just accumulation. Yeah, I mean, you see like um, NFL football players sometimes, like all of a sudden will pull up lane. You think, well, what the hell? The guy just ran down the field. Uh, what what happened? You know, he pulled his muscle or whatever. Uh, well, that that injury may have been brewing for months and months and months in the gym. Yeah, gym created. So it's not always the activity you know that you're doing at the time that was the cause of the injury. It, it could have been building up for six months in the gym, just doing some stupid exercise, and yeah. all these sub subacute insults and injuries to the connected tissue and the joint over time. Finally, just manifest in, in an injury. Yeah, you know, like the straw that broke the camel's back. All of a sudden, yeah. bam! Your hamstring, or oh. your shoulder, or your spine, or whatever. I wanted to ask you because you were talking about, a lot about shoulders. Now, is that you were a big advocate for for rehab for shoulders? A lot of hanging and stuff. Do you still believe in those kind of treatments for for shoulder injuries? Because I know that was a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was uh, that guy John Kirsch, MD. From uh, he did the Maui study. Okay. Uh, or Kawhi study. I'm sorry. Kawhi. Okay. He used an old folks home. Uh, a lot of retirees and had tremendous success just getting people to hang. Just hang. Break your hang. A break your hang is palms away grip. Okay. And with your hands, thumbs about shoulder width, and you just hang for time. You can do a partial weighted hang. Some people's hands aren't strong enough, so you can keep your feet in the floor and just you know you just basically just want to put your, your shoulder in traction. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I still do it. Okay. Uh, and it's very relieving. And I, I start to notice when I don't do it, you know, the shoulder starts to bind up. I, I have an osteophyte uh, <laughs> bone spur that I developed in okay. the right shoulder from doing kettlebell, kettlebell yeah. snatches. So. so when you do it, you're just uh, you completely protracting and just letting it get out of its yeah, socket? just let it hang. Okay. Just let your spine. It's really good for your upper spine, your neck, your shoulder girdle. And you just hang like a, like a little baby. Okay. You know, when you put your fingers and they grab, it's very natural. You know, it's yeah. kind of like this little simian reflex we also have. You guys are the curious monkeys, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like a little, you, you use a little monkey simian grip, it's, just like. In jiu jitsu, it's the monkey grip, right? Yeah, they call it the monkey grip. You know? Yeah. Like you grip with For the Americanas and all that. I, I actually, I remember now. Um, I was listening to you on the Joe Rogan podcast and then uh, something about something Ido Portal said where where he was talking about rings and he was talking about how good it was and shoulder flexibility and shoulder traction and shoulder strength was like really foundational and really important um, and something that's often neglected. So it kind of sunk in for me. And I was, I was doing hanging like off the, like my stairs have like a ledge when I go downstairs and I would just hang. And then eventually I get a bar or something. And I even got stretch marks at some point because I'm, my body is so not used to it. Cause I really ha used to have this kind of internal rotation computer. Yeah, no, the hang is really important. In fact, I live in this little tiny house and uh, you can see, let's see, I gotta go this way. Yeah. Uh, can you see that pull-up bar? My. Uh, oh yeah, there it is. It's mounted up top. Yeah, you see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's mounted uh, on my sleeping loft. It's like a little sleeping loft. That's cool. So, uh, yeah, no, it's it's really important to me to uh, to so, be able to uh, 
get gets that hanging. So I actually put a little pull up bar in my little tiny house, <laughs> which is only about eight and a half by uh, twenty feet. <laughs> but <laughs> so you do house. this every day. Pardon? You you try to hang every day. Yeah, even multiple times. Okay. Yeah, it's very relieving. Okay. And uh, you know, you do you do stuff. I mean, you know, you can't you can't completely not do anything. I still like to get in the mat sometimes, and yeah. you know, you irritate your shoulders doing stuff like that. But see, with training, strength training, fitness training, you should never get hurt. Never. It should prevent injuries. Training should prevent or help prevent injuries. Yeah. Now, when you do jujitsu or wrestling or judo or, you know, even things like basketball, or soccer, you have incidental contact. Um, but even things like, uh, you know, swimming, running, biking, you know, you can get some overuse injuries. You expect to get hurt doing recreational activities. You yeah. fall off your bike, you know, you, you, you turn your ankle when you're doing sprints, you know. You get an elbow in the face when you're shooting a layup in basketball. I mean, all sorts of stuff can happen. And you accept that as yeah. normal. That's recreation. That's a, one of the main difference between recreation and exercise. Mm. Just because you're doing a physical activity doesn't mean it's true exercise. You know, exercise, in order to qualify as exercise, has to be done in a, 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 a safe environment where you're loading the muscle as efficiently as possible to produce uh, a rapid fatigue in a minimal amount of time. That's exercise. Everything else is recreation. Okay. Pretty much. And the only true uh, activity that qualifies as exercise is some form of strength training in all its manifestations, whether it be body weight or barbells or machines or even kettlebells or whatever. You know, this is this is the only true exercise. Everything else may have, you know, uh, some type of exercise effect, but it's not true exercise. Okay. So I expect to get hurt in my recreations, but never in my strength training. Now, unless weightlifting is your recreation. Yeah. For some people, they live to see the weights go up and down because that's what they compete in. Yeah. Like maybe you saw maybe you saw the mountain from the Game of Thrones, uh, do that deadlift with one thousand one hundred yeah. pounds. Did yeah. you guys happen to catch that? I watched it. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, yeah, it was insane. <laughs> it was like holy shit! <laughs> How can a human being lift that much weight? Yeah, uh, he was using straps though, so I'm not sure that actually qualifies as a true deadlift. Yeah, because he was using straps. Told if you notice, he didn't even grip the bars. He was hanging. Up. Yeah. Yeah. So. But still, but st- just to be able to lift that kind of weight. Yeah, it's the front end of a car. Like, it's, it's insane. So, But those guys, like he, you said, are dealing was, with so much injuries. Well, he was very grateful to have done that lift with no injury. Wow. He said he felt fine. You know, you can get hurt really easy, you know, hoisting loads like that. That's not exercise. That's a sport. That's a recreational sport. There's a goal. There's a- there's, yeah, I mean, your goal is to lift as much weight as you can. And you're not particularly concerned about how you do it. I mean, obviously, he wants to do it in a way that's not going to destroy him. But those guys get hurt all the time. Very yeah. common. There was a thing about West Side Barbell on Netflix. You know, West Side Barbell is like the powerlifting mecca of okay. the world. Uh, you know, so, truly some of the strongest people on earth uh, go to West Side Barbell. 
there's a fellow by the name of Louis Simmons, that's a very famous strength coach. Yeah. But these guys are all cripples. I mean, Louis a beast. He can't move. I mean, literally, he can't get up and down off the floor. Yeah. And a lot of these guys are just uh, addicted to painkillers. Many of them are multiple world champions in, in strength sports and powerlifting and strongman. But yet, every day of their life is terrible pain. It's like, so, yeah. Yeah, that's the price you pay for playing this type of sport. It's like Ronnie Coleman, but, too. You know, he's Ronnie Coleman. He's in a wheelchair, or oh. I think he's barely walking well, you know? I just read an article about Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger's in terrible pain. Yeah. You know, his, his every joint, he's had multiple surgeries on his shoulders, elbows, knees. Uh, you know, he, he can't lift barbells anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So my point is, these people destroy themselves with their training regimens. And you would see a guy like Arnold, or you'd see some world's strongest man, and you would think they would know how to train. And that I should listen to them and follow their workout advice. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. That you should do the exact opposite of what these guys are doing, pretty much. Lift as light a weight as possible, train very intensely, you know, train very infrequently. You infrequently. really don't need to strength train more than twice a week. Okay. It's more than enough. More than enough. Okay. You don't want to see how you want to see how little you can do and still get superior results, not how much you do. I want to spend my time doing the stuff I like to do. Strength training is not a hobby for me. It's, it's something I do so I can do other things easier. Okay. Lift things and carry things and load. It's a things. means to an end, yeah. Keep care of my, you know, get on the jujitsu mat still. You know, even just to ambulate and walk and get up and down off the floor easily. These are all things that strength training allowed me to do. I, I had to do some physical labor uh, here on this property, and I hadn't done any real you know, manual labor for years. Yet I was able to work 10 hours cleaning out the shed, wow. all sorts of odd objects to lift and drag and back and forth. And, you know, uh, the other day I was cutting down some, some trees and dragging the brush. I can do those things because of my strength training allows me to do that. Nice. It keeps my joints and my muscle function at a very high level. So that, that's what I, that's why I do it. But, the strength training itself is not a hobby or a recreation. It's something I do so I can live my life healthy and be able to keep my functionality as much as possible. It's an enhancement. Like people yeah. have it backwards. You know, some people spend three hours in the gym. In truth, if you're spending much more than 30 minutes, you're probably wasting your time. Wow. You know, I, I heard that point from multiple trainers and Faraz Ahabi is one of the, the big MMA coaches and he blew my mind where he had a point where you should never feel sore after the gym. You should be able to do what you did the next day and the next day and if you feel sore, it's because you over-fatigued your muscles and you've over-trained. So, and I, I disagree 100%. I think you should work your muscles to absolute, utter muscular failure. You should work your muscles to complete paralysis. Okay. Take the next day off. Training that light kind of training that he's talking about, you're not sending a signal to your body to become mm. stronger. Okay. I mean, you will eventually become stronger. But even doing some maximal work every day in the gym is a lot of unnecessary wear and tear. The MMA fighter, jiu-jitsu fighter, judo player, wrestler, they should be out on the mat or in the cage or in the ring as much as possible. Mm. Working on their skill sets. Yeah. They want their strength training to be very brief and infrequent. 
Yeah. I know a lot of guys that I've trained, world champion caliber athletes, and I had them training once a week with the strength. That's okay. all they needed. The rest of the time, you Skills. know, strenuous enough, man. Live wrestling and grappling, that's really strenuous. Yeah. You know, you got to drill and practice. That takes a lot of energy. You do not want to be a gym rat spending all your time in the gym. But no, I disagree. Okay. Uh, no, I do agree with one thing. Soreness is not necessarily an indication of a good workout. Okay. It may be, mean an over acidic condition of the body, you know, uh, mm-hmm. acid alkaline balance. You may, you may, you know, it, it could be just your, your diet is creating this muscular soreness. Yeah, your, your state. It, it seems also a novelty. You know, if you're starting out a new exercise or something, it might shock you the first couple of times, but then you get used well, to it, even the, though you keep the first, the, the first time, you know, if you've never done it, you're going to get sore. There's no doubt about it. But now, this is exciting. They're finding out that mechanical work isn't even necessary. You can do isometrics and get just as, uh, as much hypertrophy and strength as you would lifting weights. Really? No motion at all. No mechanical work. Metabolic stress. And huh. that is fantastic, especially people, you know, older people or people that have had joint injuries and so forth. It's real interesting. The isometrics are making a big comeback right now. Uh, one form of isometrics in particular called time static contraction is a very prolonged isometric of 90 seconds in length. 30 seconds of 50% effort, 30 seconds of 70% effort, then the last 30 seconds as hard as you dare. Obviously, you don't want to pull a muscle, but you know, hard. And they even have computer feedback statics where you can see it like a little screen, like an iPad. You can actually watch a graph and then it, you can compare later workouts to it. Okay. These are called computers, uh, feedback, uh, static. There's little machines, but you don't need to do that. I mean, I, I just use a, uh, a forearm forklift strap or a loading strap to do my isometrics. Okay. So I don't really know exactly how much force I'm producing, but it doesn't matter. No. As long as I'm putting in a good, honest effort and I'm really taxing my muscles as hard as I mentally am able to do, that basically your workout should should tap into your survival mechanism. Your mm. body should perceive the workout as a threat to its survival. Because let's face it, muscle tissue is very expensive. It takes a lot of raw materials to build even just a pound of muscle. Your body isn't going to direct its very valuable and limited resources to building this expensive tissue unless it has a good reason. So you've got to basically fool your body into believing that its survival is being threatened with your workout. And by doing that, you set into motion the whole biologic imperative of survival. And your yeah. body and its wisdom will now direct resources to grow that muscle and that turns only, every uh, oh sorry no this is the fast route now do other systems work you know like i know this thing called easy strength that you know uh, people do where they train every day to sub-maximal training and that works eventually but it just takes a really long time compared to what i'm talking about wow. what i'm talking about is called high intensity training okay Hit. Yeah. Uh, not to be confused with high intensity interval training. That's another form of hit. That's that's, that's the double A. Yeah, H I I T. Yeah, that, that, that's that's like uh, sprint intervals and yeah. stuff like that. Now I'm talking about like just high intensity strength training. Okay. It sounds like you're prioritizing 
um, like a longevity of ability, you know? So you're going to drain the muscles uh, until you really can't do anything, but you're constantly, constantly, you're almost doing like Tai Chi. With everything, with every move you're doing, you're going as slow and smooth as you need to and, and protecting the joints. You know, whereas this other guy that Nate was talking about, he's working with these high-level athletes who are just maintaining their muscle structure, uh, but also really need to, um, you know, get down and dirty with the techniques, like you were saying. So the average Joe would benefit way more from stability, you know, and, and like a true strength and true form. Whereas somebody who's like a professional martial artist, yeah, it's okay to hit the, the to not hit your maximum. You're just kind of you're just kind of sharpening the axe a little bit all the time and going. Well, even those more. guys should hit their maximum, you know, but they just don't need to do it too often. The problem That's is true. if they try to, you know, everyone thinks they need to train a lot, and then you don't have any energy to do anything else. Yeah. But the kind of works that I'm talking about takes like 20 minutes, 18 minutes. I mean, really freaking hard. Wow. It's like you don't want to do any more. Then you rest the next day or just drill very lightly. And then the rest of your week is spent, you know, doing what you do as a pro fighter or, you know, jiu-jitsu player. You know, you do your drills, your randori, you know. You do all those things that, that all your skill sets to make you better at your particular martial sport or combat sport. But it's not necessary to lift really heavy weights to do that. It's not necessary even to do mechanical work. You can do it isometrically. These brief and frequent workouts leave plenty of time on the table to do you know, work on your skill sets, hmm. which is the single most important factor in martial arts, your skill set. Wow. And skills can overcome strength and power to a great extent. 100%. Uh, now, we also know that size and strength, let's be real. You know, this idea that, you know, there's a like a hundred and ten pound woman who takes her Krav Maga class. You know she's not going to beat some two hundred sixty pound yeah. thug that has no training at all. You know unless she gets super lucky. You know. Yeah, there's but a physical the reality. Size and, size and strength matter yeah. a lot. Yeah. So you still want to be as absolute big and strong as you can, but you want to put the priority on your skill strength. Yeah. How do you do that? By not becoming a gym rat and doing these multiple set heavyweight routines it just wears you out the martial arts wears your joints out anyway now you're going to add strength training or kettlebells and all that other crap to it no just unnecessary you can do the same thing with very minimalist training high intensity training and mm. still become as whatever you know still express whatever genetic capacity you have for size and strength but people yeah, have fair. it really mixed up and unfortunately, they're following the genetic wonders. And let's face it, though, anyone in MMA is pretty much top of the heap genetic wise. I mean, if, if they're any kind of success at all. It's true. You know, they're already like the top 1% of fitness. Yeah. Like, so they can get away with stuff that, let's say, normal people couldn't. But even yeah. they could benefit from what I'm saying. It's just not popular. <laughs> you know, people got lulled into this idea that you need to train hours and hours and hours it's not true it's true man steve hey, uh, I, I, I think this is about the end yeah man. i want to respect uh, the time uh that was fantastic steve i really appreciate you coming on and uh sharing some knowledge with us hey, yeah uh, 
Thanks for ha having me on the show. I appreciate it. I just real it's next, almost been two hours. I didn't even notice. I'm really sorry about that. Next time I see you guys, you you won't have your glasses on anymore. I'm as soon as this ends, I'm taking them off. <laughs> and you you'll you'll have uh fantastic feet. You can put your feet up to the camera. We'll see a nice wide toast red and that's it, I'll nice, grab a, a tennis ball. Nice, yeah, you'll you'll take a pen and you'll <laughs> Steve, that was really cool, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. I, before we thank let you, you go, I, I'm, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I'm just wondering, like, is there anything particular you're working on right now? Is there any kind of like new modalities or anything, or is it just what works works, and you're sticking to the traditions? Like, well, I'm, I'm always experimenting, you know. But for for the most part, uh, uh, I well, if people want to ch uh, check me out, go go to my website, maxwellsc.com www.maxwellsc, S for strength, C for conditioning.com. I have tons of tutorials. I have a lot of free stuff too. Yeah. But my videotapes are pretty much underpriced. Nice. Uh, I, I probably charge way less than what I should. Some of the best deals in fitness anywhere. People can see for themselves. Awesome. Really good information. You know, I always wanted to be forthright and upfront. I don't sell supplements or any, any of that kind of stuff or apparel, you know. I, I just sell information, and a lot of it's really, really good stuff. Yeah. And you can see my evolution. You know, I still have some kettlebell and even club swinging stuff on there. I don't do that. I don't advocate it. But there's people who are going to do it anyway, and why not? I I mean, uh, if you're going to do it, you, you should probably follow the directions that I give you on it. Yeah. But I've I've evolved kind of like went full circle, actually. Back to a way I used to train back in the 70s and early 80s. Okay. With yeah. high-intensity training, uh, single set. Uh, isometrics in particular has revolutionized the game. Wow. These long 90-second uh, isometrics are fantastic. So all that stuff is on there. Beautiful. So, cool. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. All right. Yeah, okay. thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. Take I care, hope, man. Yeah, I hope, uh, hope I'd like to talk to you again sometime. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Take care. Please. Please do.